Welcome to Subway Sports Talk. Dan, 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 clear of the closing doors, please. Here we go, Subway Sports Talk. My name is Peter Kennedy, and I am your host. Thank you so much, as always, for tuning in to SST on Apple Podcasts app, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. We appreciate you the same. Almost a new year. This is actually, I, I did not check this. I should have probably looked at this. I think this is the 99th Subway Sports Talk ever. 99th. And I believe you, Kyle, were on the second Subway Sports Talk ever, but you were also on the last sports blog new york podcast ever so fitting that you're here on the 99th kyle anderson in the building talk a little bit of nicks whole lot of nfl what's up kyle what's going on man i'm uh you know just happy to be on here dude like always but yeah dude what what a ride what a ride it's been nine episode 99 good stuff good 99 stuff. episodes and hockey ain't one and i Negative. say that <laughs> <laughs> I say that because of a of a read that I'm going to do in just a moment here. But yeah, 99 episodes, crazy. Uh, you came on your first ever episodes that you did with us were Sports Blog in New York. Right before I made the uh, the switch to Subway Sports Talk, we did top 25 NBA player rankings. Yes. Me and Jeff and Frank, which was fantastic episodes. Two two parter actually. Um, and then I, I I would love to go back and look at that list right now I, i'm not going to pull out it's for a different episode but just to at one point to look at that episode to look at that list we had and just look at who the top 25 players are now or who we think they are it would be fun because i think a lot of people good honestly with, we got we got to do that man it was a fun episode maybe a little mid-season yeah. like all-star break type of time we'll get in on some of that we'll get into some other stuff in a minute but first let's hear from our friends from draft kings hockey fans DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has a no-brainer offer that'll make you a winner once any shot gets past the goalie. New customers can bet just $1 on any NHL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores. I didn't know this until recently, but the NHL got rid of ties in 2005, and that's why I made the joke that 99 episodes, hockey ain't been won, because I didn't know that they got rid of ties that long ago. So guess what that means? You're going to win this no matter what. As soon as the puck past the goalie, the light, the lamp lights, you're winning $100 in free bets. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state, no worries. Everyone could play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Hockey Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. For a $1 on any NHL game and win a hundred in free bets if either team scores a goal. That's promo code TBPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Must be 21 or older in New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit. $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Did you know that, Kyle? Did you know that... Ties got taken out in 05 in hockey. I didn't, I did not know that. Damn, I honestly did not. Yeah, I'm, I'm slacking, I'm slacking with that, man. That's pretty bad. Like, you know, I'm, I'm know supposed to be on the show, and you know, how the hell do I not know that? 
(laughs) That is bad. I I actually, the first time I had a similar DraftKings, it was actually like one of the first or second times they had the DraftKings thing going. And Andrew Kalanya, who is a hockey fan, big Rangers fan, watches some other stuff as well. And I asked him, I was like, Andrew, if I'm not mistaken, uh, how often do zero zero ties happen in the NHL? He's like, well, actually, never because ties are no longer a thing. They haven't been for a while. I was like, damn. Well, even I could win that bet because, <laughs> and I didn't know. <laughs> that's how great a bet this is from DraftKings. Yep. I've been up the DraftKings promo, but that's what it is. Um, anyways, let's get into what we're going to talk about today. We're that, that'll include the Knicks who just uh, got a win against Minnesota. Both teams shorthanded. That is the narrative of basically every single team in the league right now. Whether you have one or two guys on COVID, six, eight, and seven, nine, that was not the right order, guys on COVID, it's crazy right now in the NBA, and it's making it a little bit challenging to follow. You and I were talking pre-recording, like Brandon Knight played today for the Dallas Mavericks. We watched Greg Monroe play for the Minnesota Timberwolves. It's a weird time in the NBA, but these games count. The NBA is making it clear that they're pushing through. They're not going to pause. They're going to try to get through the schedule with as minimal cancellations as possible. There has been a handful around the league, but what this means is opportunities for guys who you didn't expect. And it doesn't just mean Brandon Knight and Greg Monroe. It means Quentin Grimes. It means Miles McBride. And it means young guys who may have been finding themselves on the bench all year, now finding themselves playing 22, 32, 36 minutes a night. That's where we are in the league right now. So we're going to talk about the Knicks and and their goals and their hope to turn their season back around as now they're two games under 500. And then after we do the Knicks for a little bit, we will do a full slate of NFL talk. We had a great uh, week 16, some big time matchups, a whole lot of playoff implications coming up in week 17. And we got some things to discuss and really some, uh, some ideas to break down with different teams, quarterbacks, and the rest of this regular season heading into what should be a very exciting playoff. But first, Kyle, talking with the New York Knicks here, the number one story we have to touch on, ironically, is something that we talked about the last time you and I were on here together, which was right when Kemba Walker Kemba Walker got the benching from Tom Thibodeau and the Knicks organization, no longer playing. We are talking about Alec Burks, what he can bring to the table as a starting point guard. It didn't go great, didn't go terrible, but definitely on the negative side, like it wasn't a a slam dunk that Kemba was now uh, on the bench and the Knicks took off and won seven in a row. Part of that is because RJ Barrett missed six games. Miles McBride gets busy and then goes right into the COVID list. Quentin Grimes hits some threes, writes the COVID. You you get the idea. But Kemba Walker, with all those things happening, found himself back in the starting spot for the New York Knicks and answered the freaking bell. He won Eastern Conference Player of the Week. He got bucket after bucket after bucket. Not a big game from him against Minnesota, but Kyle, talk to what you've seen from Kemba since his return and maybe what that time off could have possibly done. You know, We don't want to read too much into it, but what that time off could have done because he talked about it a little bit to get him back going. Sometimes, man, you, you really just need to take a seat and kind of just see the game uh from a different lens i guess you can say like he's probably in the middle when he was playing kind of just in the flow of the game and maybe just making some mistakes or just some bad reads that he just probably wasn't even realize he's making he's just kind of in the flow of the game really just trying to get comfortable 
And unfortunately, he just wasn't getting comfortable and wasn't the best probably defender. And sometimes taking, you know, as, as a coach, I'm just thinking about it, like if I take a guy out and I'm like, listen, man, like you're not playing that well. You're just just take a seat. Look, just just watch the game slow down from from the bench. And it's not, you know, it, it seems like a negative, but really, I, I, I want this to benefit you. Just watch the flow of the game. And we're going to insert you back into this lineup. And now, obviously, some things had to happen for Kim to do that. But it feels like he's gotten now back into the swing of things and into the lineup. And now he's kind of making the decisions that we were hoping that he was going to be making, you know, when we first got him. And I think he's comfortable in this offense. He's kind of taking control. He looks way more aggressive. He's taking better shots, getting uh, more people involved. And I think it's it, he's a professional. He's literally a professional basketball player. And sometimes you kind of got to take that seat, take that, that seat back and kind of step back and be like, you know what, man, like, what am I doing wrong? You know, and I don't think he was ever blaming anyone or even blaming himself. But sometimes, man, you just get into a funk. Like, you're just not playing well. It happens. And I think luckily for him, there was a lot of young guys that kind of took advantage of those minutes, you know, McBride, Grimes, um, that really stepped into that role. And obviously once those guys kind of went down with COVID, all right, now it's your turn. And I think that time has kind of benefited him, him and, and this team to kind of, all right, dude, now we got new legs with this season. We kind of thought it was going to be just a crappy season. And, you know, we kind of saw the writing on the wall early, but, you know, thank God it was a, uh, you know, it was, a, it was chalk and not, and not a, a magic marker, you know, and we can, we can kind of write a new, Write a new message on his wall for this season. Yeah, and just to go over some of the stuff that happened while he was not there, the record was actually just three wins and oh, let me count through and seven losses. So they were three and seven. It was pretty poor actually without Kemba Walker. They went on a bit of a slide again. Not just Kemba out of the lineup. They lost other people throughout that. But hear this for a second, Kyle. In the stretch of games before he got benched right there's one inactive mix mix in there it's like a regular rest day for him uh he had only one positive plus minus and again plus minus is not everything uh for a single game especially right a lot of things can happen to swing that thing but he had minus 16 minus 11 minus 10 minus 2 minus 22 minus 23 minus 15 minus 3 plus 5 minus 4 minus 3 minus 13 that was the stretch of games before he got benched right so you might want to say, oh, yeah, that minus three there, minus four there, plus five, whatever. That's not a big deal. But minus 20s, minus 15s, all in a row, that's ugly. Since he's been back after the 10-game hiatus, plus five, plus nine, plus four, plus 19. Again, small sample size. What is plus minus? A lot to be debated about those individual plus minus stats from just one game. But the effort level, not even the effort level, the intention level of how he's playing is clearly different. You were touching touching it as uh, in your first answer to the question there. What I'm seeing too from him is a guy way more willing to attack the basket and score inside the paint, which is something that we talked about as a negative for him, what he was struggling with uh, coming into that time when he got benched. Not only was he going to the paint less, he was scoring there very inefficiently. And one of his best attributes as a point guard, his entire career has been his ability to break down the defense. If he's able to break down his first guy, which was more of a struggle early in the year, what can he do after that? If he's not a threat to score, his threat to pass is not as strong. 
And now that he's actually scoring inside, getting in there with confidence, it's opening up a whole lot. So let me ask you this. Is he here to stay now? And will he remain? Like, let's just say a couple days from now, a week from now, Derek Rose is back. You know, everybody's back. Is he the starting point guard for the New York Knicks? Or should he be the starting point guard for the New York Knicks? I think he should. And the reason why I say that is just because you, there's a lot of a lot of guys that are young, obviously, that we we're talking about that are guards on our team. And I just don't think – not that it's not fair, but it's also we're just asking a lot of them just to take the keys and and run with it and, and still expect us to have a good season. I feel like if we're – if we're given, if we're handing over the team to you know the point guard spot to to Grimes and McBride, um, for them to get even more minutes than they are right now, I think we're kind of just wrapping up this season, and and I and I know that we, we have Burks and we have Rose, um, but I guess the biggest thing is like those guys, those two guys are more the future, obviously, than Rose and Burks are, even though we have signed them, um. I just think that it would kind of just be giving up just like on the season once those guys come back. I, I think you kind of have to ride this out. And it, and and then just as a fan, you you want to see Kemba get another crack at it. Like, all right, dude, like he he, you know, he I was about to say, like, like he just did like a prison sentence. I was literally about to say, you know, he <laughs> served his time, you know, he's back now. Like, nah, man. <laughs> so he just sat the bench a couple of games. But he, yeah, right. He he sat the bench, man, and and give him a chance. You know, it's is his. I say it's his spot until, uh, you know, until it isn't. And if if kind of goes back onto that stretch where he's not playing well, and and it's a consistent stretch like it was where you're talking about, kind of that plus minus. Um, then listen, man. Then 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 we move forward, and and Burks and, and Rose get more minutes, and Grimes and McBride get more minutes, and that's it. And we we go with them. But yeah. I think it's just, it's just you know, it's just not fair. You know, I I think we brought him here for a reason. Give him a chance. So, and you know, how many times have we seen a first 15, 20 games of a season really not mean much? Right. So many things can change. We thought in this regard, it the change was that Kemba's not in this lineup, and then it didn't really make that much of a difference. Again, a lot of outside things happen. I feel I still think in the most ideal world, Kemba Walker lifting this offense, especially of the starting five, is probably their best path to being the most competitive Knicks team again. And like then the big question becomes does McBride get minutes when Kemba and Derek Rose and Alec Burks are all healthy? Because I think a lot of Knicks fans really liked what they saw. I know I loved McBride coming out of the draft. He was one of the guys I wanted the Knicks to get. They got him. He showed up. And he balled out in his first couple of real opportunities. And now it's like, damn, is, does he sit on the bench now for the rest of the year? Is that good for this season? It's definitely not probably not great for the future, but is it maybe it's McBride who gives them a great chance this season? So I don't know what Tibbs is going to do in regards to getting those other guys on the court. There's this weird thing that happens in NBA and really in every sport when guys go out and when guys get injured, you do learn more about what you got across the board. So this could be a good problem. This could become a bad problem for Tibbs, and it's going to be really, really interesting to see how he handles it and how he incorporates McBride. You know, I don't really count Grimes as much because he's not a point guard. He's not a ball handler. He's more in that true 2-3 range than 1-2 range where McBride is. 
So I don't know. All I know is we'll yeah. see quickly and we'll see Rose when they're available. We think we see Kemba now Eastern conference player of the week, which what a freaking tailspin. Uh, but, and McBride is the one who is now curious what's going to happen there. The other question I have for you on the Knicks front, and this is more from a team perspective. And again, I want you to put your coaching hat on. One of the things that came out from various reporters, and this wasn't like Berman of the post. This was like Ian Begley. This was like real reporters who were saying this stuff. Not that Berman's not a real report, but you know what I'm saying? Guys, <laughs> yeah. guys who report real, real stuff. They were saying that part of what maybe upset some of the players when Kemba got benched wasn't exactly that Kemba got benched, but because Tom Thibodeau was saying this is why he's getting benched because he's struggling in this regard. We're playing the best players who are earning the minutes, blah, 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 right? That all makes sense. The players thought that there were other people on this team who were in the same camp as Kemba Walker right now. Mm-hmm. I assume that that person is Evan Fournier, I right? right. I guess that's just an, an, a fair assumption. He hasn't been shooting yeah. it that well. He's not a guy who's going to do a ton of other positive things when he's not putting the ball in the hoop. I assume that's who it was. Again, don't know. I'm not Ian Begley. I'm not the reporter here. But It's a good guess, though. Yeah, right. To you, yeah. what does that tell you about the organization right now as a whole or the team as a whole and maybe how you know you would handle it moving forward, how you think they should handle it moving forward? I mean, it clearly sounds like the team rallies around Kemba. And I, I think that's even more important because it sounds like a lot of dudes respect him. And just he just seems like a good guy. Like I, after that triple like double, guy, right? Come on, yeah, like, right. He just seems like like just a great teammate. You know, I, when when the Knicks played the Celtics, um, and he had that he had like a good game against the Celtics, and he's talking to all the you know all the guys like after the Celtics game, and he's like, hey, I think he was getting interviewed either before or after, and kind of was just talking about like, yeah, man, like. You know, Tatum and like Jalen Brown, like my little brothers, man, like those are my guys. Like I still talk to them to this day, just, you know, catching up on them. And you could tell the guys on on the Knicks kind of have that same approach. And I think they probably even respect them even more for having a positive outlook on being benched. There's probably a lot of guys in the league with his experience and his resume as a, as an NBA basketball player that probably would have caused a, a fit and caused some drama for being on the bench for like we were saying, you know, for the same performance that Fournier was given out and now he's being benched. And you know what? Uh, I say this re- respect to the team for rallying around that, because at least, you know, like, all right, bro, he's a heart and soulless team. So I think that's even more of a stance for the team to be like, all right, bro, well, we go as Kemba goes because the team rallies around him. And I think the team's probably played better since he's gotten back into the lineup. Maybe he's re-energized his team a little bit. Um, I think the one, one of the bad things about this team is just that there are so many guards and there are so many guys that kind of have the same, not the same role, but it's almost like kind of like just musical chairs. Like you're just don't know what group fits. I think this team has so many new guys that are playing right now that I think these first 15, 20 games have been just a, a chemistry thing, just trying to figure out like, all right, dude, where does this guy like the ball? Where, you know, how, how does, where does he want the ball, you know, at, on the court? Like what, where are his spots that he can get to? How can I, you know, even just think about, you know, Robinson is back, like Mitch is back. Like now, now we got to get this dude kind of accustomed again and get him in the flow of the offense 
and get him uh, some touches, you know, outside of Randall and some of the other guys. So it's, I think it's just all just been a, a big learning curve, but having, having Kemba as the heartbeat of this team, I think is the best situation for these, this team to, to actually win. If, if he, if he doesn't play well pretty much and he's not the leader of this team, we're not going to really go anywhere. And that's, that's just, you know, my opinion, obviously, but he's, he's clearly taken over this team. Yeah. And that's, that's totally a two pronged assessment from you there. Right. It's not like that's how you felt at the beginning of the season. Like, Oh, if Kemba's not scoring 26 a night, like we got nothing. Like that's not how anybody oh, right. really felt. Right. But now that we saw this team for a couple months and now that we're seeing how the offense and defense both look with and without Kemba, you're realizing, and I'm realizing everybody's realizing that the reason we brought him here was to help the offense. And if he's able to do that, he really needs to be out there and you live with the defense and you have RJ Barrett and you have Mitchell Robinson and you have some other guys out there to assist that and, you know, hope that effort and whatever helps the defense enough to, for it to not die. But if he helps the offense, that is 100% the reason he was brought here and 100% the reason he should still be on the floor. So it's one of these really strange things where we almost needed to take a step back. be like, okay, that wasn't good. We're not trying to act like the first couple of weeks were actually good and we miss we miscalculated it, right? We didn't misread the first month or two. Those were bad. He wasn't playing very well. But now he's playing better. And if he continues to play that way, he continues, he should continue to be in the lineup. Um last thing on Mitchell Robinson, because you just brought him up there. You look at he's looking more spry tonight, I thought, against Minnesota. Wally Zerbiak was very, very keen on, and obviously he's a guy who watches every single Knicks game. He was very keen on saying the quick twitchiness of Mitch is looking to, you know, have returned. And I agreed with that. He was catching the ball when he caught the ball. He was catching the ball, getting up yes. there and throwing it down. And, you know, obviously he's not Rudy Gobert. I'm not trying to say that. But the the style of center that you long to be if you're Mitchell Robinson is Rudy Gobert kind of. I know that's like a weird thing because people hate Rudy Gobert. Guy's freaking awesome, right? He's really, really good. The only reason he's consistent. Gets yeah, the only reason he gets yeah. truly shitted on is because of uh, being the top three center in the league. You get judged differently, right? He hasn't had the playoff success. We all get that. We I'm not, I'm not trying to do a whole thing on Rudy Gobert, but that's the type of guy that Mitch needs to be right now because he's not a back-to-the-basket, post-move, you know, step-out-and-shoot guy. He's really inside the paint, make havoc on defense, finish dunks, catch the ball, make a, a little simple pass here and there, and tonight, besides the catching, which wasn't fantastic, he really looked like that dude. And thinking back to last year, and wow, this defense is so good. Uh, this defense is whatever, blah, blah, blah. Why were they good? It's because when Mitch was out there, he was elite. When Nerlens Noel was out there, he was playing extremely good defensive basketball. When Taj was out there, same thing. And this year, Mitch inconsistent early, banged up. Nerlens Noel in and out of the lineup. Taj Gibson, old in and out of the lineup. That core that anchor point to their defense has been missing. And Mitch now looking a little bit healthier, a little bit more spry can be the thing that flips this team back to a positive uh, on the defensive end and all in all for the entire team. No, definitely. And I, and I think he's, he's a key piece of this team. And I, I think if you're finally getting some production out of the five spot that we weren't getting last year, and I think that was one of the problems with, with Randall, you know, offensively is that, you know, I'm just kind of going back to when we played the Hawks is Gibson and Noel are not really giving you that offense from that spot. 
So now that five can kind of help off a lot and can play in the paint and kind of can kind of help off since they're not Gibson and Noel are not threats to score. You have a guy like Robinson now that can get some putbacks, some ball screens and rolls. Now you got more guys that are going to have to stay with their man and not help off as much. And, uh, and, and you know what? Also just production in the paint because, you know, once you get production in the paint, now you're starting getting guys to, uh, to clog that paint up, and now you have easy kickouts for threes now. And I think that's one of the problems, at least so far offensively, is that we're kind of falling in love with just a lot of threes right now and not as much production in the paint. So if Robinson can be that consistent guy in the paint, it's definitely going to help this offense and definitely help uh, Randall more specifically. Yeah, he's got to find a way to get to 12 every night. Yeah, every night. We're not asking for much. We're asking for 12. Like that 7.8 points per game, whatever the hell you've been at. It's not going to cut it. It's like it sounds miniature. It sounds like it's not a big difference, but it's a huge difference. Those four points a game, like you said, whether it's a putback or a screen roll, doesn't matter. Uh, But him being that guy, and it sounds dumb, but like when you look at advanced analytics, uh, and I do look at those things, his rookie year, second year, last year, he was always a guy who just, like many centers do, burst up those lists, right? You look at yeah. like total points and all that stuff. He burst up those lists. This is like the first year where he was not a big-time positive. And I'm not saying that him being – he was as big a positive as the numbers said he was in the past because centers are just more likely with rebounds and whatever. But him all of a sudden being like a net zero or a net negative, like that's how yeah. you know. That's how you know it hasn't been right for Mitch. So he needs to get it right. And uh, that can be a big thing for them. So they're now two games under 500. They still got a long ways to go. The Eastern Conference is deep and they they have a lot of work to do. So before we finish this conversation, Kyle, is there anything you have as far as an outlook for this team moving forward? Any teams above them that you think that they truly are better than or are you still waiting to see more? Some of those teams, by the way, include you know, Miami, Cleveland, Philly, Charlotte, Washington, Boston, Atlanta, Toronto. They're all right and around the same spot. Right. They they definitely need – I think a success so far is going to be to get to that 7-8 spot. And, and and it's crazy to say, but the East is just so deep right now. I think getting to that 7-8 spot for the, for the play-in I think is just realistic. But also, they're only I, – I was looking before the game. I think they're – only two two games back out of that out of that play in. I think there it was like one and a half. They have like the next team ahead of them was one and a half. Might have been a Raptors. I think a couple teams were one and a half, and they were like two back. It's like all right, man. Like it, it, it's a couple. You, you know, you go on a little bit of a run, a couple stretch of games. You get some wins. You know, some t- other teams lose, and you're right back in it. So I, I think it's just being consistent. I think is the biggest thing. Um, winning some games in a row. They they hadn't won two games in a row in, in a I think a very long time. So they uh and I and I want to say before before like last week they hadn't won two games in a row. I want to say like all season. If, I think if it was I, like since October or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was definitely a long time. Um and it was it, uh, it, they haven't they haven't won back to back since October 28th, October 30th. Until yeah, dude, tonight. like that's that's that, that's how a are you? Time. Yeah, man, how are you? How are you gonna make ground in the in the standings if if your last two game stretch was in October 
it's it's almost January right now. So you're just bouncing back and forth just the inconsistency. So they just definitely need to be consistent. And uh, yeah, man, got to go on a run. That's it. Yeah. And let me tell you, I think, I don't know if it was the last time you and I did this. Maybe it was the last time me and Pat talked Knicks or Al, I had Alec on. I don't really remember, to be honest. But we we talked about their upcoming games. It must have been a little bit longer than mine in your episode. It was like, oh, man, their upcoming games, Chicago, Lakers, Phoenix, Atlanta, Brooklyn, Chicago, Denver. It's like, damn, oh, my God, that's brutal. Another one. Oh, oh yes. Yeah, I think we were talking about this. Yes, I think we were talking about this. Like, dude. This stretch, this season is not getting any easier. That stretch, I think we both were like, uh, this isn't good. You know what? They they did actually tread water in that little run. Like they kind of like, you know, they beat the Lakers, they beat Atlanta. So like, not like they completely blew it, but they lost the games that they most likely were supposed to lose to. They end up like splitting with Chicago so far this year, but upcoming, listen to this stretch, Kyle, they got a big stretch right now. Detroit, Oklahoma city, Toronto, Indiana back to back with Boston, San Antonio. Like, man, if if they take care of business, because they will be favorite against probably four of those seven games, at least maybe five. You know, they might be favored against Boston at home and then underdogs on the road because they're doing a home and home. Like, bruh, if they take care of business and win five of seven. I was just about to whoa. say five and two. They need to go five whoa. and two right there. Like yeah. you look at that and all of a sudden now you're three games above 500 and you're right back in the thick of the conversation here. And that's what this season is going to be. It's the long haul season as it always is. People get very excited. If you remember a few years back, back in the Porzingis days, the Knicks were in the four seed after like two weeks. And everyone's like, oh my God, we're going to last place. Like, right. And then last year it was this thing where they were just treading water, treading water. Then they go on their run when Derrick Rose comes around midway through the season, it's like, oh my God, are we going to be a four seed, a five seed? Like, But we didn't feel like a four seed or a five seed, hardly even when we made the playoffs, but we definitely didn't feel like a four or five seed until like the last month of the season, right? So you have to remember that as Knicks fans, we're the 10 seed currently right now. That'll change tomorrow. That'll change the next day. But if they take care of business, beating the teams that they're supposed to beat, which is how they got a winning record last year, they can be back on top of 500 and be possibly fighting for a non-play-in playoff spot. And, uh, yeah, a lot of work to do, but I think that's uh, about sums it up on the Knicks. Anything else to add for basketball or the Knicks in general? No, man. All right, good stuff. Subway Sports Talk, Kyle Anderson, Pete Kennedy. Time to talk some football. Oh, my God. Football is wild, Kyle. We're talking about how weird the basketball season is right now. The NFL season is like, hold my beer. <laughs> like it's just Pretty much, dude. Crazy Yo, man. Season. They're not trying to be outperformed right now. <laughs> NFL is just just a crapshoot right now. It's just wow. Yeah, it's it's insane, man. Uh, like, I can't even explain it. So inconsistent everywhere. Like, just think about this: the Saints have played Jameis Winston, uh, Trevor Simeon, Taysom Hill, and now Ian Book at quarterback. They're one game under five hundred, very much alive for the playoffs. The Falcons feel like a terrible team. Their point differential is 122 in the negative, and they are one game under 500, truly fighting for a playoff spot. Like the it's Raiders ridiculous. Chargers have the same record. Like the whole AFC North is separated by at most uh, a game and a half, or is it two games? Sorry, the Browns and Bengals are now two games apart, and I don't know if any of those teams are good. It's just, it's freaking weird. But 
I don't know. Well, do you want to say anything before I go into a specific topic? Because the NFL is freaking freaking me out right now. No, dude. Every every week, I think has been an issue with every single team that <laughs> you don't really. There are no consistent teams at all. Like, I feel I feel terrible. I, I kind of gave up on like betting like months ago because I was just so bad. Like recently, like like ice cold, just couldn't couldn't get hot at all. But every you can't you can't actually bet on games because. Every week, obviously, people are out with COVID, but also you just don't know what you're going to get. And every, you know, kind of sure bet that you think you're going to get never happens the way you think it's going to be. Or whether it's a spread or uh, upsets. Um, like the, the Chargers, like how how are they losing to the Texans, man? Man. And, that, and like, they had some well, guys that's out. A, that's such Still. a – bad loss at this point in the season like you want that loss like week three you don't want that when you're trying to fight for a playoff spot man that's it's i just giving up 40 40 and giving up 41 to the texans jesus like just make it even worse yeah yeah. it's it's dude it's it's tough and you know what's weird is like last week if we did this podcast last week i'm sorry not last week. That'd be going into the Texans game. If we did this podcast two weeks ago, which we did, and we talked about the Chargers and the Chiefs, like that was the game that was going to decide the division. The Chargers were facing Chiefs, and the winner was going to win the AFC West. And then one week later, the Chargers lose to the Texans, and now are fighting to make the playoffs again. Like, what in the world is going on? But let me let me say this, Kyle, on the betting front, real quick, because I think I have to uh, give myself a little pat on the back because. This Outside earth. of that Chargers game, which if the Chargers covered, your boy would have been five and zero. If the Chargers oh. just covered one point, I had them in a teaser, actually at minus a half a point. If they covered that, I would have went five and zero this week. Your boy was four and one this week. I am now up to 44, uh, 44, 36 and one on the year. I believe that's a good. My that's... Math would be, no, sorry, forty three. Um, 36 and one on the year. So, Hey man, I feel you. It's Listen, crazy. Bro. I don't know how I done it, but I have four winning weeks in a row and I'm well, not you're really balling. Somehow. You're balling. I think what I got to do is start listening to you instead of doing my that's own great. thing. That's, no, what, that's it is. what I've been saying. You know, what's you funny know? Uh, with, with the, the, the tailing aspect of like posting your picks every week. Cause I hope some people tail my picks, right? That's kind of the point I'm putting it yep. out there. Maybe some people tail some, like they listen to the reasoning and they're like, Oh, that's a good reasoning. I think I like that one where I was kind of feeling like I like that team. Now I really like that team. So granted, that's why I do it. I hope people feel that way. But I know I know one person in particular, shout out uh, Vinny Hernandez, my boy. He was like kind of watching me for the first couple weeks. He's a friend, you know, he's supporting. He's liking the Instagram posts and whatever. And then all of a sudden, like I had like five winning weeks in a row. And he's like, yeah, I'm tailing you. I'm, I'm tailing every pick. I put it in Let's five go. picks. And then I went on like a four a four week losing streak. <laughs> I'm like, bro, like, well, you gotta trust the process. It's not just a one week thing. That's it. You're it's not getting season. into the NFL betting one week and getting out a winner. That's not how it works. Right. Yeah, you know, bro. you gotta be it's in a, a long season. Long. It's a long season. <laughs> hey, if you if you're gonna jump in this train with me, man, you gotta you you gotta be with me for the wins and the losses, bro. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. That's what <laughs> if you were with me all season, you'd be 43, 36, and one, bro. Come on. Right. Let's go. I know, man. 
I know. I actually, I think I did take, I think I did take a couple of your picks from from this past week, but then I, I like added some of my own, and that's you know, of course, that's where the wheels <laughs> fell off. So, <laughs> Classic. that was yeah. dumb. <laughs> it's just too easy on the DraftKings and whatever you know apps you use to just yeah, add man. another one or two. You know, especially with Christmas, uh, bro, it was so dangerous. I'm throwing in same game parlays left and right on um, basketball and football. I did hit a Nets same game parlay, Nets Lakers same game parlay that completely saved my Christmas day though. I'll give really, I'll give myself that. Oh, that was huge. huge. All right, wait, we're getting getting sidetracked here. Let's, <laughs> let's get back into the actual NFL conversation that uh, we kind of planned on having. So we're going to talk about a few things, some of the matchups from last week, some going into next week, some big picture stuff. But the first place that I want to start is that Bills Patriots rematch where the bills now took down the pat the pats 33 21 josh allen made some of those plays that i remember we were talking about kyler murray early in the year me you and pat boyle and i asked you i was like what do you say to a quarterback like kyler murray who just like gets back and does some crazy stuff there was a bomb it's beautiful you're like that's the get busy special like josh allen had a handful of get busy specials this past week against the patriots so the floor is yours uh what did you think about that from a rematch perspective and then now from the Bills' perspective, kind of putting to bed the fact that the Patriots like broke them or whatever the narrative was before. Yeah, I think it was a huge statement win for them and definitely a confidence builder just because the Patriots obviously are the Patriots. They've owned the division for who knows how long. And the way that they lost, I think, the last time was probably uh, just pretty painful. And maybe you can even say embarrassing for, for not – throwing the ball over five times, throwing the ball three times and kind of just running down your throat kind of just takes your heart. Um, you know, the, one of the first things as a coach or just D coordinator for any, for, for any level, you know, not, I'm not even just talking about myself with high school, but it's just, all right, stop the run. And when you can't stop the run and when, the, when it's a physical and they're just like physically imposing their will, it takes your heart. And I think that the bills, are starting to realize that they need to start relying more on this running game. And I think Josh Allen is doing a great job of doing it himself. It's kind of kind of putting a team on his back a little bit as far as uh, creating more plays with his legs and I think not forcing so many passes into some tight windows. And I think that's some of the things that he was falling in trouble to with uh, during the season, you know, in kind of the middle, middle stretch of the season, he was kind of forcing the ball into some tight windows maybe uh, a little risky with, with some reads. Like there, there are times where you're going to see a guy that's open. And then next thing you know, the window closes real quick and it's kind of almost, you let it go and you're like, Oh, and then next thing you know, the ball's picked off or you overthrow someone. Um, and I think he's doing just a better job taking care of the football. And I think the bills are really thinking about, listen, man, if we're going to be a good team in this postseason, every team needs to have a run game. Because one, it's just naturally just going to get cold, and two, you need to keep your defense fresh. You know, if you're having quick, quick drives and your your defense is constantly on the field, it's going to be a long, you know, actually going to be a short postseason, but a long game for your team. So, I think them running the ball, their defense stepped up, um, and just just beating the team in in Foxborough, man, that's 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 huge for that that team morale right now. Yeah, and it's something that I think a lot of people maybe hoped was true or were waiting for to be true that Josh Allen could now 
become a cog in the run game because no one's really scared of Devin Singletary or Zach Moss or Matt Breda, whoever's running the ball for the Bills right now. But people are worried about Josh Allen because the numbers change when a quarterback can run, especially one that defensive backs don't want to hit either, right? A lot of quarterbacks, DBs do want to hit because they're little or they're, you know, they're not as imposing as Josh Allen. He, I'm pretty sure now he has over 600 rushing yards. He's accounting for a big chunk of their rushing offense, but that's important. And it's something that maybe it's wise that he didn't do it all season. And it's something that he needs to save for these type of moments that he was almost test, not testing himself. That would make it seem like he is, you know, above a level of player that he like, he's only in his fourth year now. So you can't say, Oh, he was just testing the league all year. Like that was, that'd be kind of BS. But that idea of him pacing himself from a physical standpoint would make sense and would work. And, and I knew, I was critical of the Bills earlier in the year because I felt like their wins were not very impressive and their numbers were spectacular and they're the best team in the league, this and that. And I was like, I don't really see it. Their offense isn't clicking. It's not sparking like it was last year. Their defense hasn't beat anybody. I don't really care, right? And then, you know, on that Patriots game, I actually remember betting the Patriots and be like, all right, that was a good one. Like, I thought that was the case and that was the case. And then the narrative came out like, oh, the Bills are broken. The Bills are nothing. They're, they stink. I'm like, whoa, whoa, let's not go too far on the other side, because now you get a rematch and good division matchups probably split more often than not. I don't know the numbers on that, but that's probably, that's just how it feels, right? It's another reason why I like the Eagles this week. The Giants got their win off against the Eagles a couple weeks back. You think the Eagles, who are clearly a much more competent team right now, are going to lose two to freaking Mike Glennon and Jake Fromm? No, it's not going to be how it goes. So I think it was a huge hump to get over, but it was really uh, something that, we all needed as fans to remember that this Bills team was not a Super Bowl favorite for no reason and that they are now closer to that point than they ever were this year. And they are getting better now as the season goes on uh, because that is what they proved over the past couple of weeks. So I'm, I'm, I'm with you. Extremely impressive. But now do you rank them, you know, in the top, like the highest tier? Do you still think they have more to prove to truly be in there? Or is it really just like a, we got to see them in the playoffs thing because Josh Allen has now proven to us, you know, in the regular season, he could do this and that. So, so where do you now look at them uh, across the AFC or across the league? Um, I, w- I would say so. I think if, if they are in that top tier, they might be the last, <clears throat> the last group out in there. But I think it's always just been consistency. I think, the Bills, and, and coincidentally, I think the, the Cowboys kind of had identical weeks as far as kind of finally hitting their stride with the offense again. And if the Bills can have that kind of offense in uh, in the postseason, they're gonna be they're gonna have a good chance to go into that championship game. And their you know their defense stepped up, obviously, but I think the biggest thing for me is just as far as ranking them, is that the AFC North is just in shambles right now. Besides the Bengals, uh, the Ravens just aren't healthy. Um, they have pretty much corners that are off the street at this point. Uh, the Browns are in shambles. The um, the Steelers obviously are in shambles. They're they're inconsistent as well. You would think that they will put out a better showing against the Chiefs, you know, kind of with their season on the line, and they get blown out. So it's and then the AFC West, you know, like we, we mentioned the Chargers before, the Raiders before. Um, it, it's it's kind of just all over the place. So I think since they are kind of hitting their stride at the right point, they probably are in a top tier just because it's 
say three teams in AFC and then everyone else it's kind of like in the middle of the pack. Like there's so many teams that right. can still make the playoffs. It's partially that the other teams have not proven anything. So they're still there. <laughs> it's Correct. Like, that, that, it's, that's what I think. Yeah. Everyone else is just, just not as good. Yeah. And uh, just to finish up this thought here, the bills have the Falcons and jets. So feel pretty good about them Should winning two, but really at bare minimum, because crazy stuff happens as we know in this league, at least splitting those two, right? The Patriots, on the other hand, have the Jaguars and the Dolphins coming up. Again, should win two, but at minimum, you expect them to split. The Bills do have now the tie break on the Patriots if they do end up with the same record. And uh, the Dolphins are sneakily right there behind them. So last question for you uh, in regards to this AFC East. and We're having an AFC East conversation here. Mac Jones, I'm kind of curious on your take on him and why not sprinkle in your thoughts on Tua because... It's so funny that two Alabama quarterbacks who had these record-setting years at Alabama and they were big-time prospects, one bigger than the next, are in the same division. They're only one game apart. They're both not the most impressive statured quarterbacks, but they do have a lot of uh, simple quarterback intangibles that get the job done. What do you think of Mac, and what do you think of Tua? Uh, well, I think the Bills kind of had the recipe for last week where – if you take away that run game and if I'm, if I'm going into it, I'm just thinking, all right, take away the run game, make him beat us. And I think a lot of the stuff that they do kind of just the same stuff that Tom Brady always did is they, they were able to throw off a play action. So if you take away that run game and your front seven can defend a run, now your DBs aren't so aggressive trying to come up your safeties, trying to come up and play that run game. Now, all right, dude, we can sit back and play our deep half. And all right, if he can pick us apart in zone, we'll see. But it, it, the I think the Patriots also problem their thing is, is they don't their receiving core is not that great. You know they rely on their tight ends heavily. So if you take away Henry, you take away their. I'm sorry, it's blanking like who their other tight end was. But John, if you take, John. yeah. So if you you take those two guys away, all right, make them throw on the outside. Our corners, which are definitely better than their receivers. All right, we're gonna win that battle too. So I think it's really just stopping that running game and taking away those tight ends and, and all right, well, beat us on the outside. And it's tough to do that. We don't really have the best receivers. Um, with Tua, Tua, you know, I, I hate the term uh, game manager because, all right, if you had a good run game and you didn't turn the ball over and you make good decisions, I think that's just being a good quarterback and right. All right. Like, you know what I mean? Like, uh, okay. You're not throwing the ball, you know, a million yards downfield, like insert Chad Pennington, dude, like Chad Pennington was such a great quarterback, you know, and he might not have been on all the craziest teams, but dude, all right. He dinked and dunked. And when he needed to step up and make a play, he did. And I think that's kind of just like the similar game that Tua has right now is just, he's able to, make plays when his number is called and all right, you check down here and there, you don't turn the ball over that that's winning football. You're, you're giving your team a chance. And I think that's the biggest thing. Don't ever, don't ever be the, the reason why your team loses a game. I think he doesn't do that. He, he gives his team a best, you know, gives his team a chance to, to win a game every Sunday. And that's pretty much all your team can ask you to do. Um, yeah, it's not the flashiest stuff. It's not like some crazy house of highlights plays he gives you every week. But 
he just goes about his business, doesn't turn the ball over, and uh, and makes plays for his team, man. And like we were talking about before, now they now they have a chance of how somehow still have a chance to sneak into the playoffs. And about eight weeks ago, we were already kind of packing his bags trying to get Deshaun Watson into into Miami. Now Miami front management is probably like, uh, I don't know, we got a tough decision to make now. This guy's kind of playing his playing his butt off. So what what are we gonna do? And uh, as we speak right now, they are currently in the playoffs with a tie break over the Ravens, over the Chargers, over the Raiders, and they have the um, Titans and Patriots. So a bit of a harder road than the Pats and Bills. Titans are beatable right now. And then that week 18 matchup against New England, man, bookends of the season. Uh, Miami beat New England in week one of the year, 17-16 with a fumble from the Patriots as they were going in to kick a field goal to win it. So Man, has a lot has changed since then, but they can beat the Titans and boy, they can beat the Patriots too, especially if the Patriots are locked into a playoff seat at that point. You know, whether it, I don't know if exactly that's possible or not, but if they're locked into a spot, they might not be in it to win it like some other teams are. So it'll be interesting to see, man. And I'm with you on Tua. And the reason why I brought up those two quarterbacks together, they're a little bit more similar than I think a lot of people want to admit, which is the weird thing to me. It's like, you know, what Matt gets all this credit for, uh, Tua gets almost hated on for, right? Like, and I don't know if it's completely fair. Like, Tua's in year two, even though it's kind of his first year being a starter or whatever. Matt's a rookie. But if Tua was in New England, just like we said with uh, Trey Lance or Justin Fields or Trevor Lawrence, a lot of things can look different in this league, right? So I just am here to remind people it's not super fair to be like, yo, Mac, man, guy is killing it. He's a pro. He don't mess up. He knows exactly what he's doing. He's not like a rookie. And then say Tua, who has a winning record as a starter, has put up some okay to decent numbers, had some bad moments, not super flashy. Why is he looked at so differently from Mac Jones? Yep, Mac is just in New England, bro. That's the only difference. You know, Mac is in New England, has a better run game, has better tight ends. That's it. And, and I mean, you can kind of, argue that Mike Gusecki's, you know, just as good as uh, Hunter Henry, you know, if not better. So I, I think the really just the big difference is that he's in New England and he's got, you know, a better run game. That's it. Yeah, the run game. That's really that's it. it. That's the big difference. But that's a good stuff to uh, to segue us to our next topic here because I want to talk about another quarterback, another team that went absolutely bonkers last week, and that's Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals. The run game has been pretty, pretty good for them this year. It hasn't been like, you know, best in the league, like the Patriots have been a top running team in the whole league. The the Bengals are not quite there, but Joe Mixon's having a very good year. The receivers are stacked. The defense is a little bit hit or miss for the Bengals, but Joe Burrow has put up some incredible performances. He's had some negative performances, but when you look at a quarterback like him who will make some mistakes because he's taking risks, how do you assess that? And how do you rank him, not rank him like specifically, you know, number eight quarterback in the league, but how do you look at him amongst his peers with a guy who is probably more able to put a team on his back than a Mac Jones and a Tua? And uh, even though it might bring some more mistakes with it. Yeah. Joe Burrow as a Giants fan definitely makes me very upset. And the reason is, is just because 100% <laughs> as, as a Giants fan, Joe Burrow is in year two now. Is it two or three? Two. Yeah, two he's the same year as two and Herbert. Yeah, yeah. Two. He's in year two, 
and he's where I would like Daniel Jones to be and Daniel Jones in year three, year four, going on year four. So it's it, – Joe Burrow does not have a lot. And, and, and like, at least when he first started off, and he gave his team more of a chance to win than, say, Dan Jones. So I'll, I'll get off the Giants and I'll get off of Dan Jones. But listen, like, <laughs> <laughs> like it's just – now it's, I'm just, like, getting pissed off when I was thinking about it. But Joe Burrow – he's a gamer man and i i've always ever since he was at lsu man i I was i've always rooted for lsu even just uh as just a college football fan because they were really the only team that would beat alabama man in in the regular season and so i would root for them all the time like the jordan jefferson i mean the, the jefferson days uh you know the leonard fournette days the uh, Jacoby Hester days, like way back, like, you know, for a long time. And uh, this dude is just, they kept saying like, oh, it's his receiving core. Um, He's got all this talent, which definitely was true. He had a great running back, but he's like going through progressions. Like he's not just like just closing his eyes and throwing deep balls all over the place. He's throwing crossing routes. He's throwing shallow routes. He's checking it down to the running back when it's not there. Those are all things that you see in college where guys that can succeed as just being just the better athlete and, you know, say making plays on their feet or just, you know, obviously having those good receivers and just, all right, yo, it's just going to be one to two and then whatever, I'm just going to chuck it. He wasn't that guy. He was going through his progressions a lot. So I knew he was going to be good in the pros. And I was trying to tell people like, listen, man, this guy's going to be legit. I know he ha- he had a talented cast in college, but he's going to be legit. And he's doing the same exact thing now. And I think he's developing Chase. T. Higgins now is a stud. Um, like, it, it, he's literally kind of – I mean, Higgins kind of before this year um, and kind of before last year, you know, he struggled with injuries a little bit, but also was kind of just, just another receiver. Possession guy. Kind of that – you know, exactly, a possession guy. Now this dude's – taking the top off of the defense and they're able to stretch the field. So it's, it's actually really impressive to just see, all right, he can make all of the throws. And I think that's something that you don't get to see from a lot, obviously a lot of quarterbacks in the league, but a lot of young quarterbacks in the league that right off the bat, he's like, you know what? I'm going to take this chance. You know, I feel like he knows when to take a chance, when to use his legs a little bit, even, um, and you can tell the guys respect him, man. Like he's just a baller. I, I I can't say enough good things about Joe Burrow, man. He's got a a really high ceiling. He's gonna be really good. It's really interesting to think about, you know, him with the other prospects from his class, Justin Herbert and Tua, right? So coming into the draft, even though Burrow was the number one pick, it's like, oh, Herbert's got the better arm, better physicals. Tua's got these crazy intangibles, throws this beautiful deep ball. Joe Burrow is just kind of good, right? Like Joe Burrow's just kind of. He's got swag, like he's got confidence, and he doesn't got a crazy arm. He's not crazy athletic. He's not crazy this, crazy that. But realistically, he's kind of the mix of Herbert and, and Tua, right? He's got these intangibles. He's got these like fu moments where it's just Joe Burrow and the, and the Bengals versus the world, where he's gonna do whatever it takes to keep them in a game. And he doesn't have the Herbert arm, but he's got a damn good one, right? And and it's something to to give him some credit to say how that team has gotten lifted up. They were horrendous two years ago. They were bad last year with him, even though they remained competitive because of his uh, ability as a rookie. 
in year two, we're now seeing a guy who we're now projecting forward and saying the Bengals are not going anywhere for 10 years because this guy is legit. And that yep. is really impressive that he's gone that far that quickly. Now it's not to be left out that he's been a little bit risk uh, too risk prone this year, right? He's thrown some picks, but I think that goes with the territory of being an aggressive quarterback, a team that wants to throw the ball down the field. So you got to take some of the bad with the, a, a lot more of the good, but boy, the Bengals and Joe Burrow are not going anywhere. Now, with that being said, do you have confidence with them with some of their ups and downs that they've experienced going into the playoffs? If you know, if they make it, because some crazy stuff can still happen. I mean, I I think so. I think one of the benefits for them, which is, uh, I guess weird to say, is that they're so young that they just don't know any better. You know, as far as going into the playoffs, like, and 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 also so young they don't know any better, but also guys that played in a lot of big games. Like if you just, uh, the three guys I just mentioned, Joe Burrow, Chase and Higgins all played big time games in college, you know, all played in the, in the final four in college. And those were kind of like your three main guys Mixon as well. Mixon was at Oklahoma and, and was a, uh, you know, was in a lot of big games. So they, they have guys that can play. And I think that's the, one of the best things about that is that it may not be in the NFL experience, but the, the college, you know, experience that they have might be uh, more of an advantage for them than some of these other teams that, you know, just snuck into the playoffs, but say, you know, never really got that big time, big game on a line experience as as fresh, I guess, as some of these other teams. Like these guys are literally still three, four years out of college. And, and you know, media still... coverage, everything, not just yeah, big moments in games, but being the number one pick and being, you know, all eyes on me, <laughs> you know, uh, right. magnifying glass on every single word you say type of guys. That's all, that's all who they were and all who they are. And it's proven to mean something here, right? They're, they're above schedule They're or they're ahead of schedule right now. They are nine and six. They have a really good chance to win the North, which before the season, they had the fourth best odds to win that division. Though people thought they were going to be frisky. They're still frisky but their division's falling apart and they have a real chance to take this one and maybe not look back, right? There's still Lamar in that division. The Browns still got a good roster. Who knows what the quarterback situation in Pittsburgh will be, but there's no reason not to believe that the Bengals will, you know, be in that conversation moving forward. Um, one more thing I want to talk about before I have some rapid fire stuff for you. The Colts take down the Cardinals feels like a long time ago because they played Saturday. Uh, you know, another one of those games for the Colts where they, kind of get out early and they take a lead. They run the ball. Carson Wentz doesn't make any mistakes. He makes a big touchdown throw late, which was a beautiful, beautiful play. And the Cardinals lackluster on offense again. It's uh, something that's happened. They were 10 and two. Now they're 10 and five lost three in a row. Kind of ugly there, but on the Carson Wentz and Colts front, I went on a solo pod last week in case you guys didn't hear it. Basically I was talking about Carson Wentz and how he deserves a new narrative right now. He deserves a new way of looking at him as a quarterback because of what happened uh, last year and in his past. And now what's happening this year. And just to give you the quick snippet and then Kyle, I'll let you take over. My main point was last year, all of the things we said about Carson Wentz were he takes, uh, he plays hero ball way too much. He takes way too many risks. He is not comfortable in big moments. He is not making the easy plays. He's trying to make hard plays too much. Turning the ball over too much. Right now, none of those things are true. He's not playing hero ball very often. 
He's not turned the ball over. So he's done a lot of the things that all of us haters last year were saying he needs to change. He's changed a lot. Is he great? No. Is he perfect? Absolutely not. But he's changing who he was as a quarterback with still many steps to go to become a, a near MVP guy like he was a handful of years ago. So when you heard that podcast, Kyle, what did you think? Did you think it was too much? Did you think it was fair? Where did you land on my Carson Wentz take? I'll say this. I first saw the title, you know, when you dropped the episode on Wednesday or Thursday, I saw the title and it was like, Carson Wentz, you know, deserves more credit. And I was like, man, let me turn this on, man. This is definitely going to be some <laughs> BS. I don't believe none of this already. I'll, let me just hear what he's got to say. So I'm listening to the pod. I'm like, like I, I don't want it to be true, man, but it's true. Like he's, and and the reason why I, I guess I don't really like Carson Wentz is just because constantly, man, you're just being fed like, oh, like Carson Wentz this, Carson Wentz that, especially when I'm a Giants fan and I'm like, dude, like I've seen this, you know, I've seen this story before. He always screws it up, makes, you know, making bonehead plays. But listen, man, this year is a lot different. And I think he's making a lot better decisions with the football. I think um, he benefits from just having a strong run game, which which any any quarterback does. It's if you have a good running game, you get more guys in the box. All right, now your play action opens up. You can take more shots down the field. Um, and and you know Taylor's just legit, man. I it's it helps when your offense can one run the ball, two your quarterbacks making good decisions. And three, you have a great defense. So Wentz is just doing pretty much a lot of the things that he hasn't done that well in the past. Just just taking care of the ball and kind of, you know, the, you know, all right, hey, live another day kind of mentality. Like, hey, if it's not there, all right, man, I'm going to check it down. I'm not going to try and force it into his tight window. I'm not going to, um, you know, kind of just put my team in a bad position. You know, I kind of, hey, third and long, it's not there. All right, bro. I'm not going to go and try and run for some first down on third and 15 and mess around and fumble the ball. And I think uh, it's, it's, it's good for him, man. Honestly, really good for him. Cause you can tell he's having a great season and uh, I mean, shout out to, you know, to HBO, you know, what a, what a great season to have your first in season hard knocks. You know, these guys are playing really well, um, but side note, he's kind of not, not on the Colts tip. But Cardinals heard this stat, um, and I had to update it just because, like, you know, they they played another game last week. The Cardinals, after the bye with Cliff Kingsbury, can you guess what their record is after the bye? So you're saying not counting the game where he had COVID? Um, Or counting you know, that? We'll, we'll add that. We'll count that. Yeah, because yeah, after, the, the, after the Cardinals – after the Cardinals have a bye, what is their record? There's these three they, years he's been there. Oh, oh, in the three years. The three years he's been there. Yes. Okay. So let's let's say I'm gonna I don't know how many games they played, so I'm just gonna go with this. I'm gonna say let's seven, I'll, I'll give you I'll give you the number. I'll give you the numbers. I'll give you the numbers. It's there was 18 games played. So I'll let you you the All right, record. That's fine. That. Okay, yeah. 18 games played. So my number was gonna be way too bad. All right, so I uh I'm going to say six games under 500. They are, yeah, actually spot on, dude. Six and 12 after the bye, dude. That is ridiculous, man. 
That's six bad. and twelve after the buy. That's not good. That's and, the and it's like, 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 yeah, yeah, like you you want you want after the buy, like you're you're like, dude, let's get these guys healthy. Let's maybe you know sharpen some things to the offense, change it up. It's not like these other teams are getting a buy before they play you and you know, kind of like scouting every, everything you're doing. It's I thought it was just very interesting. And I think it's it's kind of uh kind of showing why their team is where they're at right now. You can, they're just hitting a wall. They look yeah. they don't they don't look too, too good. And it doesn't help but. that last year after the bye, Kyler was dealing with the shoulder. And this year post bye, Kyler's dealing with an ankle. Yep. So like is it Cliff? Perhaps. Is it Kyler? Perhaps, right? Maybe it's a little bit of both. And that's probably the yep. most fair thing to, to say, right? Like is it all Cliff Kingsbury's fault? Probably not. But it's definitely not not his fault, right? Yep. <laughs> right? So I, I'm with you, and it's something that I've been saying all year since like week two of the season, where this Cardinals offense. We talked about it with you, me, you, and Pat Boy, like week two or three. I forget what week it was. I was like, damn, like this play where Kyler just gets back, takes like a five step drop in 0.0 seconds, and is chucking a bomb to Christian Kirk. A beautiful, right? Uh, scramble, break a tackle, spin out of a a, a hit, throw a ball forty yards downfield, completion. Like these are amazing plays but they're not sustainable. And that's why what you're saying with uh, Mac Jones, Tua, Carson Wentz, all these quarterbacks who kind of get crap sometimes for having good teams around them, it's not their fault that their teams are better. Just like it's not Kyler's fault that they don't have a fantastic run game right now. Like Even if James Conner's numbers are pretty good, uh, he's getting a lot of touchdowns. It's not like they're running the ball down people's throat left and right. So again, it's not specifically just Kyler's fault or Cliff Kingsbury's fault. But it's the team's fault because they're not put together as well as they could be or as well as other teams are. So where, wherever you want to point the blame doesn't particularly matter unless, you know, we're doing this conversation here. The fact of the matter is this team was built on something that wasn't completely real and wasn't to be fully trusted. And now losing three in a row, all those things have come to fruition at the worst possible time. Again, the second year in a row. And no D-hop, man. Having mm. no D hop, mm. man. That that solves a lot of your problems. You know what I mean? When all right, dude, we need to make a play. All right, go to D hop. I mean, he makes every he makes almost every play. So not having that guy, add another guy into the box. You no, know, run game's tough. You know, and, and Connor's, you know, Connor's been out, but like it's it's if if obviously those are just two big losses, but they shouldn't result in three straight losses for your team. So it's right, yeah, they're they're in trouble. For sure. They're definitely in trouble. Yeah. All right. Well, final segment here. I'm going to hit you with some rapid fire stuff. And I did not prepare you for these questions. I just wanted to uh, gut check you a little bit. I wanted to hit you with a question. Minimal, you know, thought behind it. Not that, you know, you know what I'm trying to say. Not like a a big prepared answer. I want you to be off the cuff here because I think a lot of the times here, it's kind of like the old multiple choice thing, right? Like don't ever second guess yourself on multiple choice. Are you going to change the wrong answer? So I want, I want that vibe here. So here's the first question. There's going to be a couple. Ready. Very simple. Who's the best team in the league? Best team in the league. Oof. Uh, Chiefs. Chiefs. I'm with yeah. you. 11 and four. Chiefs. They won eight straight. Why are they the best? Chiefs. I mean, dude, that defense is finally hitting its stride, man. And I think that was just the biggest question mark early on when they weren't winning some of these games. Just like, dude, like, all right, the offense won. The offense wasn't really playing that well. But then the defense was giving up 30 points a game, 30, 35 points a game. So, all right, 
offense isn't scoring that much, defense isn't playing well, how many games are you really winning? And and I think uh, the Chiefs are starting to hit their stride on offense and on defense. They're they're getting hot at the right time, and hot at the right time. And and you know, shout out to Spagnola, man, old Giants DC. He's he's really cooked it up over there, and uh, I think he's putting the guys definitely in the right spot to be successful. I think he's kind of figuring it out for them. Perfect, because that answer helps me make more sense of the second question. I not that I knew you were going to say that, but I kind of had a feeling because I think yeah. they're they're settling into that point where we all expect them to be, which is the best team in the league. So now, second question: All the division winners of the NFC, Cowboys, Packers, Bucks, Rams. De- technically, haven't won the division yet, but you know we'll say Rams for now since we just talked mm-hmm. about the Cardinals. Those four teams: Cowboys, Packers, Bucks, Rams. Who do you trust the most out of those uh, out of those teams now? Packers. Yeah, Packers. Packers most Packers strictly most consistent, best defense. Uh, I would say right now probably best quarterback too. He's, he, I mean, he's just balling again. Um, and and I and you know what? Think about all the seasons that the Packers have had big like championship game hopes or like Super Bowl hopes is when they have a good defense and they have a good run game, and. Rodgers doesn't need a run game. That's the thing. Rodgers is just legit on his own. And now that he has a run game with Dylan and and Jones and they have a strong defense, I'm if I'm any team in the NFC, I'm definitely very concerned about playing the Packers and having to go up the Lambeau, which, you know, obviously is always just a crapshoot of a game if you're trying to play them and, and get a win out of there. Yeah, I, I think I'm with you, and I almost don't want to be. And here's why they have another, they're having another one of those seasons where, yeah, they're 12 and three. Yeah. They seemingly just win every week. They take care of business. They, you know, they're, they're not in crazy close games often. They were in a couple, but they don't feel like they're absolutely demolishing teams or dominating teams. And that's a little bit concerning because like, you know, the Cowboys and the Bucks have had these weeks where they've just purely dominant and that makes you feel good. But then they have these weeks where they're like, totally stagnant or they're doing nothing or their defense is getting shredded. The Packers have just been right here the whole time plateauing and plateauing yeah. is not a word you want to hear, but when you're 12 and three and your plateau is that high of a level all year long, I, I guess I, I agree, right? Like how do you, mm-hmm. how do you say that you don't think they're in a position to make a run here because all they've proven this year is that they beat the team in front of them way more often than not. And uh, even though they only have one more win and one less loss than you know, Rams, Bucks, and Cowboys, there's been this inconsistency with those other teams that makes you feel a little bit, a little bit sketchy there. Now, oh, second team though, Cowboys, Bucks, Rams. Who's your second team there? Cowboys, Bucks, Rams. Oof. I'll I might oof. Yeah, I might say Bucks, but I think the Cowboys are very close third. Close second, I'm sorry. Um it's just that defense, man. The Cowboys' defense is just ridiculous. It's, it's ridiculous. They turn the ball over. They get after the passer. But it's just their offense is is not consistent. I, and, and that's why I was mentioning before with the Bills and the Cowboys, maybe that's the game that kind of sets them off. Maybe that's the game that gets them going. Um, you know, we're going to see this week. But uh, their offense has been very stagnant. And very just like Finella, CD Lamb dropping a lot of passes. Uh, Dak really not t- making too many great decisions. Um, some the run game is kind of here and there. Um, but the Bucks, 
I'll say this when the Bucks are healthy and uh when the Bucks are healthy, they're tough. And I think their problem is is right now they're getting some injuries at the wrong time right now. You know, God went out, Shaquille Barrett out uh for mo- you know, for the rest of the regular season, what they say. Um, those are two tough losses, man. Uh, edge rusher and, and then obviously one of kind of Brady's like security blankets. Um, you know, it's gonna be have to bigger role from from Antonio Brown and, and Gronk. But uh yeah, man, I'll, I'll definitely say probably the Bucks and then and then the Cowboys just because the, the offense is struggling right now. Next question: Over under two more years for Jalen Hurts to be the starting quarterback of the Philadelphia Eagles. Oof. So basically, yeah. this is his second year, right? So I'm saying post rookie contract. Two more, two more after. Yeah. Is he still the, the starting quarterback for the Eagles post rookie contract? Mm. That's tough. I say That's yes. Tough. Yeah, that is tough. Okay. I, 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 I say I say yes. Uh, actually, you know what? I'm going to say no. I want it to be yes. I think okay. knowing the Eagles, they're going to not keep them. But mm. I, in in my opinion, I think they should. Um, He's another guy that I think doesn't get enough credit for just making winning plays. I think it's not super sexy, and it might – uh, not always be the best result all the time, but I think his good weighs way more than the bad with his play. Uses legs well. He is able to throw outside of the pocket. He can throw the ball downfield a little bit. I think him and Devontae Smith have great chemistry. Um, and and I think one of the questions, it's kind of very similar to the Giants is where, all right, you're going to lose Jalen Hurts. Okay, who's the next guy? Who's who's that much better than he is that you're going to take on and be like, all right, well, it, you know, that it's in the league rather, you know, that, that's really going to take your team to the next level. I don't really know if that guy's out there. So I, I think you you rock with Hurts, man. The defense is pretty good. They're, uh, they, like I said, that, that their relationship with Devontae Smith, man, I think that's just one of the biggest things. Like they, they have great chemistry on the field. So I, I don't know if I would mess that up, but I think the Eagles knowing the Eagles, they might try and quick fix it. Um, and just, you know, how, how bad they are in the draft. They, they really might try and take a shot and, and do something when they shouldn't. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. And I'm with you on wanting him. You know, I think he's one of those guys who gets more hate than he should as well. You know, I think it's, it comes down to, you know, who you are the quarterback for, right? Philly's a big market a team that no one really likes to root for because they're freaking Philly, right? Like no one really wants yeah. to root for their Eagles fan. So he gets hate for that Mac fact alone. And then he's not the most accurate guy. He's not a traditional quarterback per se. His accuracy is getting better. And I think the one thing that you have to look back on when it comes to what we were talking about with Jalen Hurts out of the draft was this is a guy who is serious about football. He wants to get better. He is getting better in front of our eyes. And when you see that, from my opinion, you need to keep pushing him forward, keep trying to lift him up. So what the Eagles need to do is get younger on the offensive and defensive lines because they're right, you, like you said, they're they're good there right now. Defense is good, offensive line is strong, but they got some older folks out there, right? So get younger there and then build with Jalen Hurts. That's how I'm feeling about it too. Because unless you know a new, a new uh, young leg to Russell Wilson is showing up in Philly, which is not a spot you've heard attached to Russell Wilson at all. I don't see any of these other stopgap options being good. 
and that's why I'm with you. I think he, I think he makes it for a couple more years there. Uh, and I think he deserves it, man. Cause like you compared to Daniel Jones before and not to harp it on the, on the giant front here, there's quarterbacks in this league who put points on the board every week. And there's quarterbacks in this league who struggle to put points on the board every, every week. And Jalen hurts doesn't struggle to put points on the board. I don't care if sometimes it's garbage time because guess what? Other quarterbacks don't do it in garbage time either sometimes. Right? So when you got that, and then you got these other performances where he is putting it on in the first half, putting it on early, running the ball, getting in the end zone, however the hell he could. I would sign up for that yesterday, you know, Yes. for my team. So I'm, I'm with you. I think Jalen Hurts deserves a little bit of a leash there. And uh, I think he might, I think he might get it again. Who knows with the Eagles though. All right. Last question out of the non-power team. So I'm going to take out the Chiefs, the Bills of the AFC. And I'll take out the ones we just talked about: Packers, Cowboys, Rams, Bucks of the NFC. Who are who of the other teams do you think has a true chance to make real noise in the playoffs? Here are the candidates: got the Bengals, Titans, Pats, Dolphins, Ravens, Chargers. I guess I don't know. You don't really you don't know who's in yet. And then you got yeah. the Niners, Eagles, Vikings. I guess in the NFC. So. Out of those non-big time teams, those non-power teams who we talk about all the time, who do you think has a chance to make some real noise in the playoffs? Give me them Bengals, man. Give me them Bengals, man. You know what the Bengals do? I think the other thing that I didn't mention before, too, with the Bengals, they make big plays, dude. And and if you want to have a good offense, you got to make big plays. And they make a lot of them. And I think that's something that uh, a lot of teams can't match with. Not every team... Uh, I mean, say the Patriots, you know, you mentioned the Patriots there, like they're not really making a lot of big plays that kind of, you know, we run the ball, we run a little play action, move down the field. But since they don't have those receivers, they can't really take the top off of the defense. They can't really back you up. So, all right, we take away that run game. Okay. Now my tight ends got to get open. And if our, you know, if our slot guys, our, our safeties are good at kind of coverage and are big enough to play against those tight ends, you're in trouble. And I think the good thing about this offense with the Bengals is that, all right, they can run the ball. All right, they can mix in a tight end. The receivers are both kind of run every route in the tree, really. They're not just like strictly deep, deep ball guys. Um, yeah, man, I, I'm, I'm, if I'm an AFC team, that's one team I do not want to see in the first round is the Bengals because they're just, just too good right now. And, and their offense is too good. And I think that's one of the, one of the things that, uh, you know, a lot of team you don't see a lot in the playoffs as a slugging match as far as like putting up points. You know, it's usually a low scoring games and everything. I think the Bengals are ready to you know to go point for point. And I don't know if there's a lot of teams in the AFC uh, outside of the Chiefs that can do that. And that's the type of thing you get nervous if they hit early and yeah. you blink and it's fourteen to three and you're like, oh my god, it's it's like the fifth possession of the game. It's like the start of the second quarter and it's fourth. What happened? We had a good drive. You know, we got, we got first downs on both drives. We got a field goal and they just hit bombs. And now what? Right? There's a lot of volatility with the Bengals. Like, right? That can go terribly wrong for the Bengals. But if you're a team preparing for somebody, it's probably a little bit easier to wrap your head around, you know, slowing down a team like the Colts, even though it's dangerous to try to be like, all right, we have to stop Jonathan Taylor. But if you're able to slow down the run game, you're feeling really, really good about it. Yes. If you're able to slow down the Bengals for a drive, you still don't feel good about it the next drive because they're going deep over the top. And it's and you know, it could be over in a blink. And I I, I love that answer out of you. 
absolutely great job. The rapid fire was a success, Kyle. You answered oh, every, yeah. every question with grace. It was beautiful. Let's go. Yeah, that's it. All right. Hour 20, jam-packed pod. Talked about a whole freaking lot. Some Knicks, some hoop stuff, a lot of football. That's another one. Another one in the books for Subway Sports Talk. So, Kyle, let me ask you this. Any last words for Subway Sports Talk here? Yeah, man. I, I just want to talk about, you know, today, they unfortunately, like, passed the news that, uh you know, J- John Madden, you know, passed away, unfortunately. Um, he's 85. And, um, you know, it was crazy. Like, I, I read the uh, the headlines and it said, you know, unexpectedly passed away. And it was almost like, it was like, dude, like, you know, my man was 85. Like, you know what I mean? He great, lived a great life. But also, it made me think and it kind of made sense to me after I thought about it, it was just that like you always thought John Madden was going to be alive forever. You know, he's just a legend and he literally is football. Like he's the face of football, like literally. And um I think one of the cool things is that just for us, I was watching, I was actually just watching, I was watching the football life, John Madden, they, they put on NFL network and I was watching the Knicks game at the same time. And Ice Cube actually got interviewed and he literally said, he's like, yeah, you know, we don't say, oh, I'm going to play a football video game. We say, yo, we're going to go play Madden, you know, mm-hmm. and and think, you know, just the impact on kids, kids that are, you know, three generations of, of you know, uh, adults, children, whatever, know who Madden is because of, you know, either the video game either him as a coach or him as a broadcaster, which is, which is crazy. And I think John Madden was one of the reasons why I wanted to be a coach because I would watch games and watch Monday night football. And I thought it was the coolest thing in the world that he would start drawing on the screen and explaining plays. And I was like, dude, like, that's like, this is so cool. Like I'm, you know, I'm learning so much where there would be times legit. I had, I had this, uh, this cutout, this life-size cutout of um of Michael Jordan in my room, like when I was younger, and I used to draw up, like I used to act like I was like drawing up plays on Michael Jordan. Like eventually, it was just like just markers all over the place. But I I would be talking kind of like John Madden, like you boom, know, all right, first first he's gonna go here, and then he's gonna go here, and then I was like drawing lines all over the place. And now that's obviously it's it's part of my job now, which is like cool to say, but. Also, just like the impact that he, he taught literally the, the common dude what, you know, say power was or taught the common dude what, uh you know, what pass protection looked like. You know, it just breaking down the game because he has so much passion for it. And I just, you know, obviously just respect the hell out of him and all the, everything he did for the game of football, man. It, it, he made it literally what it is today. And, um yeah, dude, just – Unfortunately, loss of a legend, but dude, what a what a great life he lived, and what a great like impact he had on football, man. He he literally made the game what it is today. One hundred percent. And you know, you said something that stuck out to me there, and you said that it felt like he's a guy who was never gonna die. I think there's a really strong argument that he's never gonna right. Like legends no. never die, and he right. exemplifies a legend in the world of football and beyond. The the, the Madden brand rings to so many people and even these young cats who don't know who he was as a coach or a broadcaster will know madden who is john madden that is that man who is so legendary in three categories you know and did he have anything to do with creating a video game 
I doubt he was in there coding, but the brand, the life around it, the energy around that game that still lives today is freaking spectacular. And yeah, we lost a good one. Um, unfortunate that it happened right when this Madden documentary was coming out. The Madden life has just been yeah. getting released over the past week or so. And now this happened. So it's extremely sad, but as you eloquently said, it felt like he never was going to die. And in a lot of ways, he's never going to, because we're all playing Madden for the rest of our lives. Right. I was playing oh, Madden yeah. two nights ago. I was playing, yep. you know, and it, it's a beautiful thing and it's not something that many people will have the luxury of having that type of impact on any walk of life. Right. He had an impact on so many people and Vince Lombardi might be the all time NFL coach might be the Lombardi trophy, but more people know about Madden than what the Super Bowl trophy is called about called because uh, oh, it's yeah. that special. It's that big. Yeah, and uh, he was larger than life. It's, it's beautiful what he did. And it's sad that we lost him. But man, we're thankful we had him. Thankful we had him. So that was good stuff. But you don't even have anything else to say. You know, that, that's oh, just that. all I'll say is this 99th episode of Subway Sports Talk going into 2022, looking for bigger things. Obviously, always looking for bigger things. Hopefully, you guys have noticed over the past month or so, some more stuff coming out, some more things, more stuff on in, on uh, social media, looking to launch a little YouTube page action. Just get the content out to you guys. We freaking love doing this stuff, and we ain't stopping in 2022. We're only trying to go up. So thank you guys for yes, listening. Sir. Happy New Year. Hope you had a good Christmas, good holidays, the whole nine. We ain't going anywhere. Subway Sports Talk right here into 2022. We might have another one before uh 2021 is over so don't don't you worry about that but if not we'll be back better than ever 2022 subway sports talk y'all for kyle anderson i'm pete kennedy cheers and happy new year